Hey, we got a pair of tickets to give away to the July 15th game against the Kansas City Royals later on in the show. Dan Schulman joins us as well. The Jays will start a four-game series against the Seattle Mariners tonight in Seattle. 10.07 first pitch. Man, oh, man. You have no chance, do you? Not a chance in hell. <laughs> Warm glass of milk, boy. Yeah, it's going to be over uh, for Mr. Blair. Well, I don't know. I, don't, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily go that far and say it's over, but uh, yeah, that's late. That's really late. Uh, let's bring in Ryan Roland Smith, Mariners analyst, host of the Top Step podcast. He has no no concern at all for nope. those us poor folks in the East who are going to have to stay up late to watch the game. He does not care about that, does he? How you doing, Ryan? <laughs> I'm doing well. No, I I could care less. Yeah, you know, see, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, you know, I speaking of that too. We talk right now. The All Star voting is going on, and Ty France, poor Ty France, man, he's playing out here on the AL on the West Coast, the American League All Star team. He he should make the team, but it's just a scratch and claw for any of these West Coast teams to get the recognition, because as you guys know, baseball lives out on the East Coast, and 10 o'clock at night, no one's watching the Seattle Mariners out in the East Coast to go vote for some of these guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it, it, listen, it is the one of the issues with, I like fan voting for a variety of reasons. I mean, you know, it's the all-star game, and it's for the fans, and the fans should get to see who they want to see, but it is, it's, it's one of the unique things about baseball, that there are so many mm-hmm. games, and it's so regional. You know, like, if you're an NFL fan, you will have seen the best players in the NFL because they're playing right, once a week, exactly. and you, it it is it is it it really is it really is difficult for a guy in the West Coast, you know, unless you're somebody like Shohei Otani or Mike Trout or you play right. for the Dodgers. It's it's really hard to uh, to to get that, you know, to get it get in the All Star game. I'm just looking at Ty France's total. I mean, yeah, he's it's almost twice. He's almost just half of what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is getting in balloting. Uh, in balloting so far. Hey, Ryan, I wanted to ask you this because obviously, you know, here we are. The Jays are the Jays, the Red Sox and the Rays. They're looking up at the Yankees. The Yankees have got a whatever it is, 14 game lead. We're just talking about the wild card here. We're not even looking at the division. The Seattle's chasing a pretty good team, too. Maybe the best team in, in baseball in, in the Houston Astros. They're going to have to get 91 wins probably to go to the postseason. Ryan, how do they get that win total with the team they yeah, have right yeah. now? Well, first of all, you look at the record, 41 and 42. You go back a month ago, and they were, I think, 10 games below 500. Yeah. And it was just straight disappointing because you mentioned the 91 wins. Last year, they won 90 games uh, for all you East Coasters who didn't know that. But uh, last <laughs> year, they won 90 games, and they were so close to the playoffs. So all of a sudden, that was that extra little you know, uh, boost of energy for the front office to, to get going here and make some moves. And then... I think the lockout really hurt them when it came when it came to really getting a good amount of depth. They just honestly, from, from spring training, they had some guys, had some pieces. They, they they traded some guys over, but they just didn't have the depth. And we've seen that all year long. So to get to 91 wins, when this All Star break happens and Jerry Depoto sits down with his front office and they look around and say, okay, what is this really going to take? Are we willing to give up such a good farm system to actually make not these lateral moves that Jerry Depoto tends to do a ton, where he just kind of trades this piece and that piece. And he, he, he gets creative, don't get me wrong. But it's going to take some 
some giving up of what they got. If they if, if they think 2022 is going to be a year, because you mentioned the wild card, they're not going to ca- catch the Houston Astros. Mm-hmm. So if they want to have a crack at one of these wild card spots, it's going to take something. So I, I, I do worry that once they sit down during this break or you know soon after and they look at each look each other in the eye and say, okay, where are we really at? We're playing really well right now. We're right back to around 500, but you've got this team, that team. Uh, in front of us, whoever whoever it may be, it's going to be a tough slog. Are we willing to give this up? And I know the fans, uh, you know, for the Mariners, who big expectations. They want them to make moves, obviously, but I just have that feeling that it's going to be a couple of these sort of, you know, band aid moves. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I I worry they're going to fall short unless they go out and really say, you know what, this this is our year, or, or someone's job's on the line. That's what it may take. Someone in the front office job on the line for them to say, hey. We're going to make a move now, or I'm not going to be here next year. Oh, well, Ryan, a really good Robbie Ray would help. And it looks like since June 12th versus the Red Sox, he's done something different. Tell me what that is and why has he been so good since then? Yeah, it's been interesting. So he had a start against uh, the Houston Astros where uh, he was kind of lackluster. And, again, that, that was their big acquisition this offseason, five-year deal. And you saw a young award winner last year, as you guys know. And they – all of a sudden, everyone's looking around and saying, well, is this the same guy? Everyone's approach was different on him. So he came in the dugout, I think it was the third or fourth inning against the Astros, and Scott Service just flat out said, listen, man, you've got to do something different. This two-pitch mix that you had and you had a ton of success with last year, it's just not getting it done because the approach is different against you guys. They're way more aggressive. And so he started messing around, just basically saying, look, I'm going to start throwing this two-seam fastball. And when I look at that, you know, being an ex-pitcher, I'm like, oh, man, that's just going to be pitching away from contact. And now all of a sudden he's going to get deep counts. He's going to get hit more. Well, all of a sudden he starts on this two-seamer. He starts – and this pitch is not like some big, heavy, sinking fastball at all. It's not it's, it's not something where you're like, wow, you can visually see it. But what it did, it just had that extra run, got off the barrel just enough, and balls are heading, heading, heading to the ground. His ground ball percentage since that start that you mentioned against the Red Sox has just gone through the roof. Um, so I think that gave him some breathing room. And when he did that, all of a sudden, two things. Number one, the, the offense against him probably going back to the dugout and saying, well, man, hey, I, that ball was running a lot. And then they watch the video, they, they, they look at the scouting report and see two-seamer. And so it gets in their head a little bit. They've got to protect against another pitch. But also, too, it just gave him something on the, on the outside part of the plate to righties, I think, a little bit more confidence. Because he was just living and dying with fastballs, middle, middle up and in. And it was just getting hit. So now all of a sudden he gave him some sort of confidence or a safety net to go away from right-handed hitters. I think that's been all the difference. And now his four-seam's gotten better. His slider's gotten really good. The swing and miss rate's through the roof again. Uh, and I think that's been a huge turnaround for him. Right, Ryan, explain that to a, a fan that, that can't understand that, including me. That, that would seem like a guy coming off of Cy Young who's been paid as much as he's been paid to do that in-game and go out and actually apply it. Tell me, ex-pitcher, tell me how hard that is yeah. to just to buy into that and say, uh-oh, because I'm assuming you tell me velocity might went down a tick. You're relying more mm-hmm. on movement than you are velocity. Walk me through that. Well, yeah, okay, so you, you bring up a good point, and, just to be clear here, if you're looking at pitches, and we all do, we go to baseballsavant.com or whatever, we look at, oh, look at how much movement he has, or he should just throw this pitch. It's not that simple. You have to, in the middle of, like you said, in the middle of a season, in the middle of facing a team like the Houston Astros, when he did it, was to say, you know what? 
in this big count, I'm going to throw something I haven't thrown for about, I think he, I think he said it's been about three years since he's thrown a two-seam basketball or something like that. And to do that and to trust it is so tough to do. But I think what happens is when you get like instant, like a great one ground ball or one ball off the barrel, when you've gotten you know, 10 guys before you just, just barreling everything up, all of a sudden, like, oh, that's actually not too bad. I can actually throw that for a strike. And it snowballs from there. So I think that's what happened. I think he threw this out. There wasn't something where him and the pitching coach were in the bullpen and they designed this pitch and here we go, this is my secret weapon. It wasn't that at all. It was more of uh, doing it once or twice, getting off the barrel just a little bit and saying, you know what, I'm actually comfortable throwing this pitch. And then all of a sudden gets another ground ball, gets out of the big spot or whatever it may be. And then you look and go, man, I can actually throw this in games. It snowballs and now all of a sudden it's, part, it's a big part of his repertoire. So very tough to do, very tough to do. Logan Gilbert was the same way. Logan Gilbert is having a great year. They had to, in all, and, and this is when he's coming off success. Logan Gilbert, if, I, I think he's pitching this weekend against the Jays, but he went from throwing this slower breaking ball, okay slider, and they said, listen, you have to throw that slider harder. And he did it actually against the Blue Jays, and he got rocked um, because it was part of his development. Everything was coming out of the same – they had to get everything coming out of the same slot with him. And so as a learning curve, it's really difficult to do, but that's something Robbie Ray's done, going back to him. And uh, it's, it's been it's, – it's worked out nicely for him in this last little stretch. Ryan, the bullpen's also sort of righted the ship for this team, uh, coming off a couple of wins against against San Diego. Talk to me a little bit, a little bit about Andres Munoz because I did see that pitch, that one hundred and two point five mile yeah. hour pitch. Um, but he, he's he's put together a nice little run here. I think he's got nine or ten appearances where he's been really dominant. Yeah, he look. It's funny. Uh, we, sometimes here in Seattle, we forget he came over from a big trade which included Ty France, and everyone said oh, he throws a hundred, throws a hundred. A couple of things that people forgot. Number one. When he came over, when he came off an injury, he'd barely thrown 30 innings in the big leagues. He's so young still. And he's you know, so green pitching in certain situations. So one thing that happened with him earlier, you mentioned the run he's on at the moment. But earlier on, he had to start throwing his slider and nothing else. His fastball was getting crushed. And everyone was like, well, he throws 100. How is that possible? But you know, when, you, when you're in the minor leagues and you just throw 100 by guys in the middle of the plate, you get to the big leagues, it's not quite the same. As we all know, his hitters can just crush. So all of a sudden, he lost confidence in that fastball and he started throwing his slider a ton. Well, when he started throwing that pitch, that was kind of the silver lining because he got a chance to really throw that pitch in big count. So all of a sudden, now that he's, he's got that feel, that confidence for his fastball back, which is, you know, 100. You saw the other day, it was close to 103. Mm-hmm. As we all know, when we're confident, we just let it eat, man. And that's what he's been doing. He went from, you know, 97 to 98 because he's really feeling for it and trying to guide that thing into now he's like oh my slide is good I'm, I'm i'm getting a couple swings and misses with this fastball up in the strike zone and off he went now you're starting to see triple digits literally every pitch but he's exciting he's only thrown you know 50 something innings in the big leagues so uh, it, it's exciting and, and you mentioned that bullpen too just having a couple guys behind paul seawald which early on in the year they just didn't have drew steckenrider was another guy who had a big year last year couldn't replicate got dfa'd uh, Diego Castillo was inconsistent, but now all of a sudden these guys are starting to to figure it all out. Yeah, he's got something like 21 strikeouts in his last nine and two thirds innings or something. It's just outrageous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's just it's just getting that fastball away from the middle of the plate. It's again easier said than done. I think he was just 
you know, in his mindset, like, oh, I'll throw 100. I'm just going to just, you know, let it eat blow by you. And, you know, this is the big leagues. <laughs> the guys are just not going to – guys are going to, you know, salivate when they see a fastball down the middle, regardless if it's 100 or 90. So, it's uh, good to see Right, Ryan, we, we have a guy here, uh, Bo Bichette, that we think sometimes when he's hot could be a 30-30 guy. You consistently every single year. Julio Rodriguez, any chance you think consistently he could be a 40-40 guy? You know, I, I, I do think, looking at it now, yes, I, I think it's absolutely possible. The thing I worry about in this generation, especially with front offices now, as we all know, they don't value that stolen base as much. So they look at Julio and say, yeah, man, this, this kid is an absolute, you know, uh, this is going to be a superstar. Let's shut the run game down because they're worried about him getting injured. That's the one thing I worry about. Because he can steal bags very easily. He's, qu- he's quick, but he has really good instincts on the bases. Uh, so I think that's the one thing. that To answer your question, absolutely. I think it's up to the front office. He is the kind of kid he works so hard. He's not one of these kids who... All of a sudden, we'll get comfortable and put on 40 pounds and just be, you know, just, just start slugging home runs and lose all that speed. I really think he can. That's a question of his, the front office decides to shut that down, which is such a bummer all the time. I think speed's so important uh, part of the game. So I'm hoping they keep that up. But on the power side of things, the one thing he did early in his career, and he did it even early on this year, he hits a lot of balls on the ground. And he's got that exit below, 110 with ease just getting by infielders, right, hitting the ball on the ground. But now all of a sudden, lately, that swing path, I don't know if he's adjusted something, but he's starting to get just under that ball just enough. So as you guys know, when you start getting a little bit of launch on that, you know, 110 consistent exit, the ball's going to leave the ballpark. So it's been a good sign. I think uh, the the power numbers are just going to – they're going to come. I just hope that they don't shut the run game down on him because he's so exciting. If you're a Jays fan, man, you, you should really pay attention to watching him play this week, and he's so much fun to watch. L- listening to you talk, it seems like he would guy. He'd be, be a guy who would benefit from eliminating the shift, right? The guy that would get yeah. on base oh, more, average would go up. He's on base more means he would steal more bases. That's why I ask about 100%. the forty forty thing. Yeah, hundred percent. And the other thing is too, he's going to he's going to get pitched around a lot more too. Everyone's like, well, he's. You know, he's going to get you know, power numbers. But I'm like, yeah, but he's going to get pitched around a lot more. So, therefore, I think – and that's why, I, again, I, I understand this whole thing with front offices, you know, shutting down a run game. But you mentioned it too. The, 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 when they start eliminating that shift, man, balls are going to get through that infield easily for him. Ryan, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much, man. Great stuff. Thank you. Yep. Of course. Of course Be so. well. Have fun. Ryan Roland-Smith is a Mariners analyst. He's host of the Top Step mm-hmm. podcast. And, uh, again, first of four tonight between the Mariners and the Jays. I'm looking forward to seeing Julio Rodriguez. I am, too. You know, know the hardest thing about the shift, I think, nowadays is the guy standing right behind second base. I used to be a guy when I was coming up. The the, the old saying was, hit it where it's pitched, but hit it back where it was pitched from. So that guy standing right behind second base, you have the inside-out swing, especially with two strikes. How many times have you seen a Blue Jay hitter hit a screaming ball on the ground right at right Behind the second base bag, and there's a guy standing right there, and then you see the guy. He'll come out of the bat, out of the, uh, out of his position hard, and then he shuts it down because he noticed that there's a guy standing right there. That's the interesting part of it is if they do make some changes to the shift and they eliminate that guy right behind the second base bag, all of a sudden that opens up where the inside out swing and the and the ball actually being hit hard backwards pitched. I just think that's a thing, and 
you start seeing more guys closer to hitting 300. The 300 hitter now will matter. Guys like Rodriguez now, guys getting on base more with speed, knows how to run the bases. Stolen bases go up, start getting paid for that. There's a benefit to it. And that makes their team better. Yeah, it's uh I mean, look, it's it's it it's it's going to happen. We're going to see the shift done away with. I think this is um I think this is Baseball next year is going to look a lot different than than even some of us think it is. I think there there are people in the game who kind of go, well, I don't know if they're going to bring the pitch clock in, and I think you're going to see a lot of stuff come in next year. And there was that interview in, uh, I believe it was in ESPN with Rob Manfred talking. Hey, Rod Man- Rob Manfred wants to see the electronic strike zone here by 2024. Hmm. You know, and I think I think this game, this game in three years is going to look totally different from the game we're seeing right now and i it would be i wonder how many organizations are all are already planning for that right are already the rays have got they're already looking ahead okay we can't shift as much i think about it think about what doing away with the shift is going to do to the way this team plays defense this team shifts almost every pitch well it's gonna it's gonna make your depth of your pitching Coming to play too, because now all of a sudden you got to pitch to all quarters of the strike zone. Pitcher's been on vacation for a very long time because of the shift, and you don't have to be so good and so fine with your pitches. You can pitch to the shift, which eliminates half the plate. Makes me a better pitcher. I have got the trivia question to end all trivia questions to give away a pair of tickets to see the Jays and the Royals on July 15th at the Rogers Center. You know, of course, that. We've been giving you a chance all season long, and we'll give you a chance all season long to win Jay's tickets on Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on the podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question. Text it to 590-590. Yesterday, we asked you which Royals pitcher led the American League in saves five times. This was, this was an ageist question. If you're under 40, don't know if you'd be able to get it unless you went to baseball reference. If you're over 45 or so, Dan Quisenberry's name would have immediately come into your head. Mm. So that was the answer was Dan Quisenberry. And uh, which Royals pitcher led the American League in saves five times. Today's question, as I mentioned, is for a game on July 15th between the Jays and Royals at the Rogers Center. I would have not, I would not have gotten this question. It took two hints. And I can't, the answer still is mind-boggling. But this is the question. Who was the first Royal to hit 40 home runs in a season? Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Who was the first Royal to hit 40 home runs in a season I'm looking at some of the answers that are coming in our text line. They are wrong. <laughs> they are all the same answers I gave. Including one where I thought I was being really, really bright and brilliant. Nope. I'm looking at the answers coming in. Who was the first Royal to hit 40 home runs in a season? And again, I'm going to say kudos to those of you who sent your answers in right away. Sure. Because I know that you're not. You know, you're not cheating. No. You're not cheating. 
Oh, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I've already got that's going up. I got I got over thirty answers in here. Two people have it right. Huh. Wow. First Royal to hit forty home runs in a season. If you do get this quickly, congratulations. Well, how many KC fans are there? Uh, you know, it's, you, you'd have to really sit down and think about it. And if you think about it, you may not get well, it Well, the right. Royals, uh, back in the day, uh, the Royals oh, yeah, were a big team back why, in the day. Yeah. That's, why, that, that's why I went back in the day. My first reaction person, was to maybe. go through all the, all, the, you know, all the great Royals hitters. I mean, I, the Royals were Royals are one give of the best hint? franchises. No, the Royals are one of the best <laughs> franchises in baseball. I'm not giving anybody a hint. I'm not giving anybody a hint. Construction put you in a bad mood today, didn't it? It wasn't no construction. Hints. There was something going on. It's construction. No, it wasn't. It cons- was. Construction doesn't. Construction is what it is. It's accidents that bother me. Because I always find myself looking at an accident and going, how the hell did your car end up at that angle? Like, this, honest to God, when you drive in the QEW, that is maybe the most amazing thing about accidents happen. But, I mean, I've driven in a lot of freeways. I've, I've driven in a ton of freeways. I've driven in Europe. I've driven in Central America. I've never seen accidents where I look at the car and go, there is no, like, how is it at that angle? It's like every accident in the QEW looks like somebody's gone the wrong way on one of the exit ramps or something like that. It's just bizarre. I drove a Moises to Lewis truck one time in, in the DR. I was a nervous wreck. How did like that three, work? I was a nervous wreck for three days. After I told I'd never again, I, would, I didn't even want to ride in the car anymore. It's crazy. It's crazy. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I have, I have not. Holy moly. I got, and I'm a good driver. But yeah, no, I, I have not. I, I have not. I have not driven in the, in the, in the Dominican Republic. But um, yeah, anyhow, there you go. I, somehow we got into to driving. Well, you didn't want to give a hint. Well, I'm not going to give a hint. I'm not going to give a hint. I want people. You to, should give it. I want people to do some work in this one. Dan Shulman is our Blue Jays voice on Sportsnet, and uh, he is in Seattle for the annual love-in. Huh? The Jays go to Seattle. There's always a ton of there's always a ton of Canadian fans that come down, fans from BC and Vancouver, to see the Jays in Seattle, and maybe that'll put a little wind in their sails here now. You know, they they ended that five-game losing streak yesterday, two-one against the Oakland Athletics. Kind of a dead-ass series for the most part. The last two games, you know, small crowds. The Coliseum's a dump. Um, it's just, it's kind of hard to, it's just kind of this, ugh. now you're going to Seattle, you're going to have a crowd full of Jays fans. Maybe this will put a, a spring in the Jays step. Maybe it'll be enough to overcome the fact that Casey Lawrence is starting tonight. Dan Shulman's next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What did you? What did you do that, Barker? <laughs> See, now it's going to create havoc with my computer screen. I need you don't stuff. Need it. I do, because I need, to, need, I need to communicate with people. You do, really? I do, yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually do. It's like, my DMs are open. Well, I have to have them open, because it's the only way anybody can reach you. It's like I'm your 
freaking uh, secretary uh, here because you won't get, you deal won't with get it. Twitter. You're the leader of this show. I am not the leader deal of this with show. It. Do not ever pretend for a moment that I'm the leader of this show. You do talk bad about us. About what? All of us. Everybody. No, I don't. I'm just a uh, taskmaster. That's what God, I'm still looking at the the text line to see the answer to that well, trivia question. Cheating. No, a lot of people. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. At this point in time, cheat, cheat. 10 minutes after I've read out, 10 minutes Start after cheating. I've read out the trivia question, based on some of your answers, www.baseballreference.com. Do yourself a favor because some of you are, now you're getting into, there are people who are getting into this is, now you're getting into some real dumbass areas with some of the answers, mm. I got to tell you. Don't get rude. I'm not. At least they're they trying. And they are. But yeah, 10 minutes. By now, cheat. Go on baseball reference. Get the answer to the trivia question. It was cute for the first 30 seconds. It was great <laughs> for the first 30 seconds. But now y'all are just pissing me off by sending in dumbass answers. You just are. I mean, you are, really. It doesn't take much. <laughs> Like it, we we could do our thing where the uh, most creative wrong answer gets tickets. Yeah, that would last one time because you'd have to put forth an effort, and you'd have to get off your wallet and buy tickets. This is great. This is really outstanding. Okay, now, all right. Now somebody's done way too much work and has added postseason home runs to regular season home runs here. Come on. Anyhow, um, it is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Four just games turned it off after that. Four game thing. series again. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny. Just there are people still sending in the wrong answer. Uh, the Jays and the but there are a lot of answers, which is good. The Jays and the Mariners are starting a four game series tonight. Casey Lawrence expected to start oh. for the Jays against Marco Gonzalez. What did I say? The wrong. Jays and the Mariners. Jays. Did I say Jays and Rays? I, I was looking Casey at Casey Lawrence. Oh, uh, against Marco Gonzalez, Ross Stripling against George Kirby, Alec Manoa against Robbie Ray on Saturday. You say Kikuchi still tentatively. I'm going to put. I'm just going to. How many Blue Jays hitters you think? I'm going to get rid. They're going to try name. and hit Robbie Ray too, Samer. Somebody will be against Chris Flexen <laughs> on Sunday. Uh, you know they saw. Why is that ball moving that much? Not everybody trying to hit it. So that's like eight innings. Shut up, baseball. Let's bring in Dan Shulman, Blue Jays play-by-play voice on Sportsnet. Mr. Shulman, how are you, sir? How is Seattle treating you? Have you been besieged by your legions of, of Blue Jays jersey-wearing Canadian fans? <laughs> my my legions aren't as plentiful as, as I would like to think they are. But I, I will tell you, so we got in, I don't know, about 8 o'clock last night, went up, put the latch on the door, did some work. Uh, still on East Coast time. Woke up at 5.30 today. Mm-hmm. Uh, went, went out and got my coffee and my sandwich at 6 o'clock. And it's only 8.30 here, right? So I've yeah. been back in the room since then. So I have not ventured out yet. I will venture out uh, a little bit later. Did meet some very nice folks from Saskatoon in the lobby last night as we were checking in. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of people around. But uh, it, it's fun. And, and for most of the players... It'll be the first time that they have seen this. Um, you know, a few guys were here in 2019 and so mm-hmm. But for most of the guys on the team, I think it'll be the first time they've experienced it. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. Are, are they uh, doing a little bit of housekeeping here? Are, are we expecting Danny Jansen to uh, be back with the team? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Um, 
so did he play yesterday? He was supposed to play yesterday, That's I believe. He was, he was supposed to catch seven innings is what we were told before the game, and that's one of the things on my little checklist that I haven't checked off yet. But um, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. My guess is Jimmy Garcia, and we're also waiting on Jimmy Garcia too, mm-hmm. right? So um, my guess is there could be a little pitching housekeeping after Casey Lawrence pitches today, I don't know if Garcia can take Lawrence's spot. I don't know if Max Castillo is coming as a just-in-case. You know, is Gosman going to start Sunday? Right. Um, you know, Tabby and I, uh, before the game yesterday off the air, were playing, like, uh, guess the roster move. You know, mm-hmm. what's because there's a lot of different things that could happen. But uh, I would assume that Jansen and Garcia, unless one of them had a setback, if it's not today, hopefully it's tomorrow. Is uh, Jose Barrios fixed, in your opinion, and we never have to worry about him again? <laughs> well, those are, uh, I don't know. If the, those are two separate questions rolled into one, but um, I don't know if we never have to worry about him ever again. I thought he was good yesterday. I mm-hmm. did. I, I thought his curveball was great uh, yesterday. Um, I think we've seen his fastball a little more electric. Uh, it was good, but I think we've seen a couple of starts where it was whoa. I mean, he's dotting it on the, you know, the outside corner with the knees against the righties. The other thing, too, is these are the Oakland A's, right? Either the 29th or 30th best offensive team in baseball. Let's see him against the Mariners. Let's see him. I don't know who he, who he would play. Probably get Kansas City next week. So um, let, let's see him against some of the better teams. I've always had, and I'm sure you guys would agree, like as Barrios has struggled and Kikuchi has struggled, I've always thought there was a much better chance Barrios was going to figure it out. He's got a much mm-hmm longer, more consistent track record than Kikuchi does of consistency. So um, I haven't been able, and I don't know what your theory was, Kevin, I haven't been able to figure out exactly why they're hitting him so hard. I I mean, his velocity for the most part is the same as last year. I think the movement is a little down on some of his pitches. I've tried to do some like, you know, stat cast digging and nothing jumps off the page. Now I'm not an analytics expert or anything like that, but, to me, like even the home run yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, it was an 0-2 pitch, and then he threw a changeup to Loriano that was just right down the middle of the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we can discuss whether it was the wrong pitch selection, but it was also the wrong pitch location, obviously, especially with 0-2. And, and I think that's been part of the problem, just getting too much of the plate sometimes. So I think he's going to be fine, and and I hope the second half of this season looks like the last five years have looked for Jose Barrios because that's what the Blue Jays signed up for. Yeah, he looks to me like he, you know, moving on the rubber is not an easy move. Like when you move as much as he's been moving all season, you can tell something's going on. And when you think about it, yep. it's a baseball. He's a baseball player. He's trying to play baseball. When you think long, you think wrong. And I think he's just trying to aim too many pitches because a lot of his pitches were non-competitive, but I'm with you. I think you have to wait and see against better teams. Okay, let's flip it on the other side. I'm just going to jump in. Just uh, Danny Jansen did play the second game of a doubleheader yesterday and uh, was one for three. So there you go. He, uh, did he catch? He, he, caught, he caught. He, he caught. caught okay, so yeah, he caught the whole game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I walked into the clubhouse today and Danny Jansen and Jimmy Garcia are both there. I would, you know, Buffalo to Seattle is a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think these guys, I've asked a couple of players, I don't think they charter them. I think it's commercial. Like, I think these guys are going to the Buffalo airport and then they're probably going Buffalo to Detroit, Detroit mm-hmm. to Seattle, whatever. So I would think Garcia and Jansen are coming together, but these aren't the e- easiest things in the world right. when you're 2,500 miles away, right? No. So 
but I but I would think both of those guys and maybe even uh, Max Castillo as an emergency taxi squad guy might show up in Seattle this weekend. Do you think Danny Jansen, that news, him showing up and being able to catch would change their mind on whether you say Kikuchi makes his next start or not? Wow, that's a great question. I don't think it should, and I understand where you're going, but I don't think it should. I I think it'll be predicated upon if Gosman's physically able to, to pitch. Like, if Gosman can pitch, why wouldn't you pitch him? Um, if Gosman can't pitch, then I think maybe you're looking at the IL because you can backdate it, and he'd be back after the All-Star break, so he'd only miss one more start. Um, but if Gosman can't pitch... Danny Jansen better be catching the Kikuchi start. Sure. Like that, we uh, that we can all agree on. And that is no knock on Alejandro Kirk or especially Gabby Moreno. How, how tough of a job is it for a 22-year-old kid to come up, learn the million things he's having to learn, and, oh, by the way, can you go catch Yusei Kikuchi? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it, it, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think they should base it on whether or not Jansen's here, but if Kikuchi makes the start, Jansen better be behind the plate. It, it, it Danny will take charge more than Moreno or Kirk will. And again, that's just because he's a little older. He's got more experience than both of them. It's his personality. And, you know, I, I don't know how you put a number on it, but they've missed Danny Jansen behind the plate. If, if Danny comes back at some point this week, is it given that Moreno goes out and let, let's just play this game and say he does go back to AAA, what do you think the organization will ask him to work on like what what have they seen from what you've heard what have they seen from gabriel moreno so far so i think they've seen a great arm which we knew um uh i think we've seen the hitter we thought we would see and it's interesting you know because he hit some home runs last year and the year before double a in august 2019 down in single a we haven't seen any power at the major league level and we didn't see any power at triple a earlier this year right now he's kind of looking for a base hit to right field. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if that's who he is at this point of his career, that's who he is. And, and um, he's got a lot of other things going for him. Um, I'd be curious if the power's in there and what they could do to unlock it. Because uh, if you don't walk and you don't hit for power, you've got to hit for a really high average to be a pretty productive player in today's baseball or to be viewed as a productive player in, in today's baseball. But I would think most of it is just continuing to develop as a leader on the field, as a game caller, as a take-charge guy on the mound, that sort of thing. And it, it's not if they send him down. And, and two weeks ago I would have said, no, I don't think they're going to do that. Now, I think, now I'm leaning in the other direction that I think they will for his development. Um, if they do send him down, it's not a punishment. It's not because he did anything wrong. It's, you know, this is a unique situation with three really good catchers. And when the rosters expand in September, and September sounds like it's a million years away, but it's not really. Um, they, they only go up by two when the rosters expand in September. There's no reason he wouldn't come back, and there's no reason he wouldn't be on a playoff roster if, they, if the Blue Jays made the playoffs. It's just, you know, imagine if he's here. This is the other game Tabby and I play. Okay, let's play the Gabby Stays game. So um, Jansen's got to catch two out of five at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Moreno to stay, he's got to catch two out of five, right? You right. can't catch, have him catching one out of five. That doesn't help the kid. So that only leaves one out of five for Kirk. And that's and Manoa. Then you're DHing, and, and that's Manoa. That's a good job assignment. That, that, that's a good job. <laughs> yeah, you're going to catch... You're going to catch an all-star caliber pitcher. Go get him. Uh, yeah. Oh, and kid, you're going to catch Kikuchi. Go get him. So, <laughs> but, uh, so, but then you're going to DH Kirk two or three of the other four days. Um 
it's it it feels like a luxury. But you know, then again, they don't have position players banging down the door to come up to the major leagues. I, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But if they make a trade for somebody, that could squeeze somebody else off the roster. But if they send Moreno down, they could keep Collins, and and we all know that Collins isn't playing at, at all. But he allows uh, he allows them to be more aggressive in their lineups, and he allows them to pinch run for Kirk if they have to late, although that hasn't come up very often at all. But, you know, there still could be a spot for a third catcher on the roster over the next few weeks. It just might not be Moreno. Uh, Dan, I want to circle back to you, say, Kikuchi, and I'm only asking you this because you've been around for baseball forever and you may have seen this up close and personal. And I'm real hesitant about saying this word, but the last time I saw you say Kikuchi, he looks like he's a little similar to the yips. Am I am I on to something there? Have you ever seen that up close and personal? And you know, the, the re- only reason I say that is if you see a catcher setting up middle away and you consistently see a pitcher missing feet, not inches, yep. feet, yep. that would tend to start to be that word that nobody really wants to say because, you know, you got to be careful yep. about saying that word. But am I on to yep. something? Are you seeing that? And have, have you ever seen that before? And does it so look Rick like Ankeel. I remember Rick Ankeel, right? I remember he came up sure. and uh, and reinvented himself as an outfielder. So um, I don't think it's the yips, but I, I think because I think it only happens with his four seam fastball. When he needs to throw a strike, mm-hmm. he's throwing his he's throwing his cutter. Mm-hmm. When he's behind in the count, he's throwing his cutter. It's almost you know what I mean. It's it's sure. like his cutter is his fastball, if you know what I mean, mentally mm-hmm. for him. It's the it's the pitch I can go to when when the stuff's hitting the fan. And I think that's another problem because I think hitters know that. You know, it, it's when he's behind in the count, it's going to be a cutter or a slider or a hard slider, whatever they want to call it, it doesn't matter. So um, I think he is trying to get himself in the headspace to throw the fastball like he knows they want him to throw the fastball. Um, but it feels to me... Like he still doesn't have any confidence in it, even when it's in the strike zone. And he told, I talked to him, it's probably a month ago now. I sat down with his interpreter and I said, Hey, listen, I just wanted to introduce myself and I'd love to get some background info. We talked for about 10 minutes. Nicest guy you ever met. And he admitted that Pete's been trying to get him to have more confidence in his fastball. This was, it was probably in May. It was in his good stretch. Um, and he, he said, I, you know, I'm more comfortable with the slider than I am or the cutter than I, than I am with the fastball. So, um, I, I think he's nervous about it getting hit. I don't think he believes he's got the fastball to get swing and miss. The numbers suggest otherwise. They really do. And then if he gives up one hard hit ball on his fastball, whether it's a double or a homer, doesn't matter, then I think he's really nervous about throwing it. And you know the funny thing, and you mentioned, you guys were talking about Robbie Ray before I came on. Mm-hmm. Robbie Ray would get smacked on his fastball last mm-hmm. year sometimes. Like, it happened. Yeah. We, we'd see games where Robbie Ray would go seven innings and give up two runs and strike out 11. And the two runs were two of the hardest hit balls you would see all season. Absolutely. But he'd come, he'd come right back grunting on the next pitch and throw another one. And that's that's what Kikuchi isn't. He's not. He doesn't do that. He's not. He doesn't have that confidence and that killer instinct on that pitch. So I don't think he has the yips, Kevin. I think think he's got a fastball problem, and I think he's trying to hit a corner or aiming it. And like like you, as you said, he'll spray it up and away to a righty, and then he'll hit him in the the shoulder. Like, he'll he'll yank it. So I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how they start him. Like, let's not not forget Sunday, too. We're in Seattle right now, and Mm -hmm. this is where he pitched for three years, and that's another element of 
something that can unnerve a guy, too. I don't see how he makes the start. It's just funny you mentioned Rick Anke. I went fishing with him one time, and, and I was asking him about, you know, I didn't want to say the yips were, but I was asking him about what he went through when he was going through that, and he was telling me that he was seeing more than one catcher. <laughs> and when Whoa. you were, and when you were, yeah, when you were talking, <laughs> because, you, again, you know, you try everything you can possibly try off the field, and it's just not working, right? And you start seeing ghosts sort of kind of thing, and I was just, when I was listening to you talk, yeah, I guess that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, saying that he has the yips. You hope he doesn't. You, you hope he pans out and he can give him a little something because I, I guess they're going to need him. They they really don't, Dan, have any depth. At least they don't have no. quality depth, right? No. So Thomas Hatch, you know, two years ago looked like he would be a guy. Now it doesn't look like that. Anthony Kay, there was hope he would be a guy. That hasn't gone anywhere. Um, Trent Thornton. You know, Trent Thornton three years ago led this team in starts and innings mm-hmm. and just got just got options. You know, he's a reliever who just got option. And then in the bullpen, well, Nate Pearson was supposed to be a starter, and that hasn't happened, and nothing has happened. Uh, Julian Merriweather hurt again. Ryan Barucki didn't work out pitching well in Seattle right now, by the way. So that's six guys just right there. Pearson, Merriweather, Barucki, Hatch, K. Thornton, who two to three years ago – there was legitimate hope that all of them would turn into something, maybe not stars, but that all of them would turn into something to help this team. And the only guy they're getting anything from is Thornton, who has obviously had his ups and downs. Like that's, uh, that's a lot of things that you hoped would turn out and didn't turn out. And even if three of the six turn out, this pitching staff is in a very uh, different place. The, the Pearson thing, and, and we don't need to, you know, relitigate the whole situation, but he was supposed to be a front end starter by now. Right. I I mean, he was, and, and um, that's left in my mind, a huge hole um, on the staff. And even if he could have become an impact reliever this year, that would have really helped. They're going to go out and look for a guy in the bullpen to do what Nate Pearson, what they had hoped Nate Pearson would be able to do. And it just hasn't happened because of, you know, injuries and all, all sorts of things. So you're right, Kevin, their, their depth is gone. It's, it's absolutely gone. And um, you can't fix it by just bringing Jimmy Garcia up. You need more than that. They, they, there are not enough internal options for this to be fixed internally. And so they're trying Romo. They're trying Bonda. They, they just picked up Peacock and, and, you know, that's all well and good, but they, I think we'd all agree they need some more significant uh, uh, people coming into the organization if, if they're going to get to the playoffs. Have you been able to figure out what, if anything, maybe there's nothing, what, if anything, has gone on or is going on with Jordan Romano? And, you know, he's 98 yesterday, third save opportunity since May 31st. I, I understand that, you know, the Jays haven't necessarily... Danny, they really haven't had gotten in that rhythm of games where you would use your closer in a traditional way. They haven't had that mm-hmm. run of games where you would, you know, have your guy going out there. But, man, you know, Kevin and I have said this. It does seem at times as if they're trying to hide him. And I don't know what you guys – I don't know if you're getting a sense that anything's up. I mean, it didn't look like it yesterday. Maybe they're working on something in the bullpen. I don't know, but it just seems like they're being very careful with how yeah, they use it. I have not heard that, and I have not thought that to myself, to be honest okay. with you. I, I mean, I've, I would have to go back through the schedule, but it does look to me like it's more circumstantial in terms of, you know, he got a million save opportunities in the first six weeks and or eight weeks, whatever. And like you said, they just haven't happened uh, at all because they're either losing or winning big. 
most of the time. I've always thought they're a li- they they are a little bit careful to him. Although Charlie, a few times has said. Uh, Romano always wants the ball. Romano mm-hmm. wants to pitch the third day in a row. We have to tell him no. Like he has said that kind of stuff um, uh, about Romano. I was encouraged by his velocity yesterday because we've seen some days where he's 95, 96, but yesterday he was 97, 98, which to me is where you want to see him. He did have a couple of you know big misses, uh, but then he came back and struck out whoever the guy was that he just had the, the misses to. I think, I think he's okay. I know he's given up more hard contact. I know the stat cast stuff isn't as flattering to him this year. I I, I don't know of anything physical mm-hmm. going on with Jordan Romano. I can do a little bit of digging, but I I, I think it's mostly um, circumstantial. Yeah. But I, I do just want to throw in while we're talking about it, like Adam Simber's the unsung hero of this team, and it ain't even close uh, with the with the outs that he's gotten. And I was really really happy. They sent him back out for that second inning. I don't think they do enough of the four-out or six-out thing with some of these guys, and I know they're not conditioned to do it very often. They're not used to doing it, but um, he gets big outs in big spots for this team, and now you save Mesa for another day or Phelps for another day or whatever. So I was thrilled they sent him back out there, and uh, I think Adam Sibber's done an unbelievable job for this team ever since. Yeah, out. I mean, I'm with you, and I just there's something about him going on the mound it it almost seems to have there's almost a calming effect on the rest of the team in the field but you also there's there's almost a little bit of an uplift as well you know you get a sense you 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 can tell when you look at a guy when guys genuinely like playing behind him you know and i really get that sense when adam simber comes in the game yeah um 100% firstly he's a He's he's exactly the kind of personality you think that a guy who throws like like he's delightfully goofy if you know exactly. what I mean like he's just he's just a, he's just a, you guys have met him and talked to him I'm sure he's just a kind of a fun goofy guy he's always got a little a little smile on the verge of a giggle on his face but what I love about him is he throws strikes like he's not nibbling like there are guys with quote better stuff right more mm-hmm. stuff who will who will nibble he's not nibbling he knows exactly what he's doing out there and he throws a lot of pitches in the strike zone and he gets a lot of swing and miss on his stuff in the strike zone um you know the fastball um as as kevin can attest to you know when it comes from down there it looks a little bit different i'm looking at this analytics leaderboard right now the chase percentage on his fastball so that's the swing and miss at fastballs out of the zone he's got the fourth highest chase percentage in baseball on his fastball and and a lot of them feel like the one you know it's starting down under obviously and it's rising it's not an illusion so it's coming up at them and it's winding up maybe three inches above the strike zone but you're used to swinging at a ball kevin right like it's coming down gravity brings it down and his pitches are especially his fastball are going up and i think he is he has as good of an understanding as any pitcher on the staff about who he is and what he needs to do successfully to be successful. And he just goes out and repeats it time and time again. I, I, I think he's been a tremendous addition to this team. Dan, real quick, before we let you go, quick answer. Do we, should we be worried about George Springer? Uh, I'm a little concerned. Um, it looks to me, I don't know if it's the elbow. I asked him about the elbow. He said, it's, he said, I'll be fine. Um, you know, the numbers have not been good lately. It looks to me like he's trying to hit everything nine miles to left. And, and I don't know if he's, you know, trying to cheat a little bit or guess a little bit or favoring something, you know, he won't, he won't say if he is, but he doesn't look right right now. He's running fine. It's not a lower half thing. I don't mm-hmm. think no. 
if, if it's anything, it's the upper half. But and, and maybe it's just he's not in sync with his swing. But um, you know, the offense has been doing well the last few weeks, but that's kind of masked the fact that George hasn't, and and he's such an igniter at the top of the order. Yeah, the, I, I think there's. I don't know what it is, but yeah, he's certainly not at the at the peak of his powers right now. Dan, really good stuff. Great. Appreciate this. Thank you so much for getting up early for us on uh, the West Coast. Enjoy Seattle, and Have fun. We, we look forward to your call this weekend. Thanks so much, and travel I'm, safely. I'm going to go wander the streets and find my legions. There you go. <laughs> Take care. Make sure you look good, because there's going to be a lot of selfie requests. You know that. Dan Schulman joining us. 10.07 first pitch tonight on Sportsnet 590, the fan at Sportsnet. We'll be back tomorrow, 10 to noon Eastern. Blair and Barker, have yourselves a great day.